Every Thanksgiving, you know, we kind of crank it up again and we start thinking, okay, how, how long has it been since I've been thankful or have I acknowledged how thankful I am for things? And I was so grateful this morning to hear uh, these words from these souls because what I did hear was things that they were grateful for, but what I heard from a lot of them was that they're grateful to somebody as well, that they're grateful to God for all that God has provided The book of James chapter 1 verse 17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, handed down from the Father of light. So here's what that says to my heart. Here's where I want to center our focus for the next few minutes. We, We are grateful for so much and God has blessed us in so many ways. But I want to take just a moment in shifting our focus from what we're grateful for to who we're grateful to. And I believe we've even started that already here this morning. And not only are we grateful for God, but I want to center our focus. And if you're a a regular attender or a a member here, this is nothing new. You've heard me say these words before, and you'll hear me say them again. I believe of all the attributes of God, I believe there are two bookend attributes by which everything else flows out of that we need to hold tight to today. And I want to celebrate these, and I want to be thankful for them. And those two things are the holiness and the love of God. The holiness and the love of God. You know, if I was to ask you a question, if I was to say to you, you have to choose between holiness and love, which, which of those attributes of God would you choose? I feel like most people would make a beeline to love. But I'm going to talk a little bit more probably today about His holiness as well as His love, because if we don't understand God's holiness, then God's love is cheap, then God's love makes no sense, then God's love has no true value. But when you understand His holiness, it makes His love so amazing that there's nothing more that we would ever be grateful for than that. There's a beautiful psalm that we're going to read here, and I'm just going to walk through it quickly. That, that perfectly illustrates this. But here's what I want to do. I want to put an image in your head. I always try to do this. This is an image that, again, for our members and our regular attenders, you've heard me use this. Of all the illustrations that I've used over the years, for whatever reason, this one has stuck in people's minds because they bring it up all the time. When you sit down at your Thanksgiving table this year, and for the rest of your life, every time you sit at a table and you see the salt and the pepper... I want you to think about the holiness and the love of God because they cannot be separated. I, 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 the, sh- the story that I've shared a thousand times, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version because many have heard it over and over and over again. I was lovingly rebuked when I was a teenager by a friend's father who was an Air Force major and he was a disciplinarian and he asked me to pass the salt and I passed the salt and he said, where's the pepper? And I said, you asked for the salt and he rebuked me right in front of everyone. He said, son, they travel in pairs. And I've shared that story over and over because I want us to get it. The holiness and love of God, they travel in pairs. And human beings try to separate the two of them. All right, there are some of you who when you think of God, you think of holy and reverent and judge. And some of you think of the love of God, the tenderness, the fatherly care. Well, guess what? All of the above is true. And if you separate them and lean on one side and not the other, you don't get the whole picture of God. I'm going to read Psalm 30 here in a second, and we're going to focus on just two verses. And in those two verses, I want us to consider the holiness and love of God, what it means in our lives now, and why we should be forever grateful that we have a God who's both holy and loving. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 30. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. 
All right, be on page 544 in your pew Bible. All right, Psalm 30, page 544 in your pew Bible. If you would stand at this time, we're going to read Psalm 30 together. Now, I'm going to read the whole psalm, but we're going to focus on just verses 4 and 5 as we walk through this word together. Hear God's word, Psalm 30, a psalm of David, starting in verse 1. This is God's word to us. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I have said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Father, our hearts are already overflowing with all your abundant blessings that are present in this room here this morning. But Father, in just the few minutes that we have left, let us draw our attention to you, to your holiness, to your love, and why that's the best of both worlds that you have given us yourself, a holy God who cannot compromise, and a loving God who wants to show mercy. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and offer these words in Jesus' name. Amen. The holiness and the love of God. I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf here for everybody. I want you to see how the holiness and the love of God are both good news and both apply to your daily life right now and how void you would be if you had one and not the other. Stop and think for a moment, okay? I said before, if you could choose between holiness and love, that you would choose God's love. But let me define holiness and then let me talk about what it would be like if we had a God who was loving but was not holy, Okay? The holiness of God means that God is unblemished and perfect in every way. He's perfect in his morality, which means God never has an evil thought, never says an evil word, never does an evil deed. He is all light and no darkness, but also in his holiness, God is a perfect judge, which means everything that has been done wrong will one day be made right. Every sin that's ever been committed will be accounted for in one way or another. That's the holiness of God. Now, let's say that we had a God that was all love and no holiness. When you've dealt with tragedy in your life, when you've dealt with people who have done you wrong, when you've dealt with people that have hurt you in ways that you can't even put into words, if you had a God who was loving and not holy, then you could never, ever, ever believe that God was going to take what's wrong and eventually make it right. But if you do have a God who is loving and holy, then you no longer have to seek your own vengeance. 
Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. When you have a God that is loving and holy, you can basically embrace His love and fear His holiness and let the, the judgments of the Lord be from the Lord. You don't have to take the judgments and put them in your own hands. You can trust that God is good and that all evil in the world will one day have to stand in the courtroom of God and be judged. That's good news, but that also wakes us up to the evil that we've committed in our lives as well. And that's where the love of God comes in. That although we've sinned in such a grave way that we could never stand the judgment of God on our own actions, we also know that we have a loving God who knew we could not stand that judgment and He made provision for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But what I want to really get to is this. When you think about God, I I beg you, look at your own heart and say, when I see God, do I see holy or do I see loving? And what I'm saying is if you see one, open your eyes to see the other. You cannot separate the two of these. And during this Thanksgiving season, I want our thanks to be for these two things. So the first of the two points that I just want to make out of this text, out of verses 4 and 5, are this. Number one, give thanks to the Lord for His holy name. Give thanks to the Lord for His holy name. Verse 4 says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name holiness. God is so big and he's so perfect and, he, and he's uncompromising. And he's so amazing that we fear him. The Bible says it is good and right to fear the Lord. And I've said before, fear is not a bad thing. There's two different kinds of fear. There's the fear that you tremble before God because you're scared of judgment. If you're a Christian, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So your fear is not the judgment of God. But your fear is a reverence for the awesomeness of God. And by the way, much like a good earthly father, your fear may not be of his eternal judgment, but your fear fear may be of his earthly discipline. Here's what I mean by that. When you see punishment in the Bible, there's two kinds. There's wrath, which is God's punishment on the unjust who've not been forgiven. And then there's discipline which is what a good father does for it to a child whom he loves. So when there's a holy God and we thank him for his holy name, what that holiness does is give him praise and honor and glory and it also gives us fear and it keeps us in line at times where maybe we don't feel like obeying God. People who talk about the love of God but never the holiness of God, sometimes those are people that say, I can do what I want today because I know God's going to forgive me tomorrow. Those are people that never talk about the holiness of God. All they talk about is the love of God. And what I want to say is this. Yes, if you're a Christian, the love of God will cover over your sins, but there are still punishments on this side of heaven for the sins that you commit. Not eternal, if you've been forgiven eternally by Jesus, but we all know we've made decisions in our life that have scars. They leave a mark. And we need to thank God that He's so holy that He won't compromise His nature. How many of you in this room... And and, nobody call out names here, but how many of you in this room know of a parent who all the parent does is shower their kid with love and devotion and praise over and over and over, but no discipline whatsoever? What type of child is is that child going to grow up to be if all they had was love, 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 no discipline? 
They're going to wake up one day and they're going to think that the world revolves around them. So if we, if we acknowledge that a good earthly father is one who loves but also disciplines, why can't we also acknowledge that our heavenly father is good if he loves but is also holy and disciplines? A holy God is a good God, a, good to be, a God to be praised. It's a, he's a God to be praised. And why is it in the holiness of God that he has to discipline us? I want you to think about this for a second. We've talked about this in our men's Bible study. We, we studied a, a study called God's at War where we talked about how it is that our heart is a place where idols rest. What I mean by an idol is we take something that's good and we make it a God. So for some of you who love sports, which was my God, you've taken something that's good and you've made it your God. All right, for some of you, it's the deer stand. For some of you, it's the boat. For some of you, it's whatever's parked in your driveway. You've taken a good thing and you've made it a God thing. You've elevated that above God as the premier thing in your life that you worship. And God loves you too much to take a good thing and make it a God thing. So what does God do? He disciplines you when you take a good thing and make it higher than it should be because he knows that only him and him alone can fill your heart with the highest degree of joy. And that's not my word, that's God. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's what I mean. Again, if you have that one idol in your heart and you raise it above God, yes, God will do whatever it takes to make sure that you let go of that idol and you put God back on the throne as the most important thing in your life because He knows that only Him, He alone, will bring you the fullest degree of joy that your heart was created for. There's nothing that can fulfill the human heart more than the presence of God. And that's a holy God who will discipline us because He loves us. All right, so number one, we give thanks to the Lord for His holy name. But now here, the picture's going to get a little bit clearer. Number two, give thanks to the Lord for His loving mercy. All right, so before I said, what would it be like if you had a loving God who was not holy? Now, what if you had a holy God who is not loving? All right, some of you were raised up in a church, or some of you maybe have visited other churches where all you hear is condemnation every week. Sin, 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 sin. And you feel the weight of that, and you're like, where's the mercy? Where's the grace? I need to know that if I walk out the doors of this church, that I'm not going into the depths of hell in the next 10 minutes. Where is the grace? And what I want to say is, you probably sat under a pastor who understood the holiness of God but maybe not so much the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Now, I would say this. Maybe 50 and 60 years ago, the preaching was very heavily driven on the holiness of God, whereas today, a lot of preachers pound home the love and the mercy of God, and you never hear the holiness. And both of them are true. You can't separate them. So think about for a minute, if you had a holy God who was not loving. If you had a holy God who was not loving, you'd have a God who's perfect, You'd have a God who would judge all sin, but you'd have no mercy and you could not stand the weight of that. Because if the God was holy and not loving, he never would have sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. Now here's a passage that I want to, you know, as we, as we look down at verse 5, I want to stop for a minute because I believe in this room today, each and every one of you can cling to this passage in some way. So listen really closely as I read this. 
Verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. All right, let me talk about a dark night and a bright morning. There are some of you in this room right now, you're in the middle of a dark night. And you know what? The holidays, boy, they highlight that, don't they? Thanksgiving and Christmas are an awful difficult time if you're not in a good place. I know because I've been there. I've been there many times. You, some of you in this room are in a dark night and you heard the kids sing all the things that they're thankful for and in your heart you're saying, I know I should be thankful, God, but this depression or this issue or this struggle, what I'm dealing with in my marriage or what I'm dealing with in my neighborhood or what I'm dealing with at work or what I'm dealing with day to day physically, it feels like a dark night that will never end. For some of you, you're in a dark night not because of anything you've done wrong, but because you live in a sinful, fallen world. And from time to time, we can't, we can't ignore that. Okay? For those of you who have physical ailments, most of you did not deserve any of those. You're just living in a world where you can't avoid them. And so you're walking into a season of darkness where you're physically struggling. Now, spiritually, all right, there are some of you spiritually who are in a dark season. And you are there because of something that you have done. God is trying to get your attention and He's saying, I love you and I want to forgive you, but you have to repent. And until you repent, I'm going to convict you and draw you into a dark season so that you will turn to my light. That's a holy God who wants to show you His love. And so what I want to say here this morning, some of you are in that dark night and you're, and you're crying out for a bright morning. And what I'm saying is you serve a God who's holy and loving, which means if there is sin in your life, Repent, because God may be drawing you into this dark night so that you can enjoy a bright morning once you repent of your sins. And if you know in this room right now something that you're doing that God is not pleased with, I implore you to repent, because God will bless you and He will restore you if you'll be honest. And again, there are some others of you in this room who you haven't done anything wrong, but you're in a dark season because that's the circumstance of your life right now. And what I would say is, Cling to a God who is loving and know that a bright morning is coming. A bright morning is coming. Isn't that what the passage says here in verse 5? Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I thought about uh, another passage in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, when they were talking about the nation of Israel. These words say, He has torn us that He may heal us. He has struck us down that He will bind us up. Let me give you an example of what this means. We're getting towards the end here, so bear with me. There's, there's a lot of people in this room who are either former sports coaches or have been heavily influenced by a sports coach. One of my favorites, one that passed away recently a couple years ago, was Pat Summit, the longtime coach of the Tennessee Lady Vols. And Pat Summit had this amazing way to, to get to some of the most talented girls in, in high school basketball and recruit them to Knoxville, Tennessee. And here's what she would do the first year that the, the, that the players would come on campus, she would tear them down to the bare studs. She'd have all these women who were the cream of the crop in the high schools and in the counties and even in the states that they played. But when they showed up at Tennessee, she had a, she had a job to do. And that job was to let them know that the basketball world did not revolve around them. And she would tear them down to the studs to where they would even wonder, why am I even here? And then she would spend the rest of their career building them up. 
Showing them, yes, you do have amazing gifts. And pulling those gifts out of them for the betterment of the team so that they understood that that team did not revolve around them. It revolved around the team itself. A good coach knows how to tear down and build up for the betterment of the team. Well, in a spiritual aspect, when there's sin in our hearts, God will tear us down that he can rebuild us into the image of Christ. It's the way that God makes us more like his son. He has to tear us down from all our selfishness so that he can build us back up again. And in that tearing down, we're in a dark night. But in the building up, we enter into a joyful morning. I remember this when I was at seminary. I worked on a sweeper truck. Most of you have heard some of the stories I've shared. have been interesting ones. And I remember about the first month I ever drove on the sweeper truck. If you've ever worked third shift, all right, when you work third shift, the first couple of weeks, your body's getting adjusted to that shift. It seems like a night that will never end. I remember on the truck, and I'd get out at all these stops and change out all these trash bags, and I'd look out, and I'm, I'm thinking, it's got to be 5 a.m. It's got to be 5 a.m. And I get in the truck, and it's 9.45. I think, what is going on here? And I remember my, my tradition was I had an iPod. That's before I got my uh, first iPhone, but I had an iPod, and I, and I would download sermons and all kinds of uh, audio books and stuff, and I would just listen to them for hour and hour and hour and hour. And then finally, at 6 a.m., my big tradition, I thought about it this week because the show was just canceled. At 6 a.m., I'd finally turn that off and turn on ESPN radio and listen to Mike and Mike in the morning. And, and ha- this is like my joy in the morning because as soon as Mike and Mike came on at 6 a.m., I'd see my first shred of sunlight come through the cloud. And I'd say, my goodness gracious, morning has finally arrived. The longest night of my life is finally over. And that happened over and over and over again for a year and a half as I drove that truck. But for some of you, again, you're in a dark season and you just can't believe that there's going to be a light. There's going to be a joyful morning. And what I'm saying to you is this. If you have a God of holiness but also a God of love, know that there's purpose in the dark night, but there's also the promise of a bright morning. And that's what I want us to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. That you have a God who's holy. He loves you too much to compromise your heart. He loves you too much to make anything your God above Him. He loves you too much to tolerate any of your sin. He can and He will punish or discipline every single one of your sins if you won't repent. But He's loving. He's loving in such a way that He will forgive each and every one of your sins if you're willing to confess it to Him and turn away from it and be willing to live for Him. He is holy, but He is loving. And as I draw to a close, I just want to sum it up by saying this. Give thanks to the Lord for the cross of Christ because in Jesus we see the holiness and love of God collide. I want you to look at that cross and think that you cannot separate holiness and love. All right? If God was not holy, there would be no need for the crucifixion. And if God was not loving, he would not have offered his son to partake of the crucifixion. His holiness called him to the cross, and his love is what kept him on the cross. The holiness and the love of God are the salt and the pepper on your Thanksgiving table. You cannot separate the two. And my prayer for everyone in this room is that we would be thankful for both of them. God is holy and He's perfect, but He's loving. And He will forgive you and shower you with more mercy if you'd only be honest with Him this Thanksgiving. Confess your heart, be forgiven, 
and be willing to live for Him. Let us pray. Father, I love You so very much. We love You. And Father, I just, I know that today's been such a blessing, but there's so many things on our our mind and our hearts right now. So many plans for the holiday week. So many things happening. Right at this moment, people's minds are running a thousand miles an hour. Father, I don't know from this this, this word that we've read this morning of what will stick and what won't, Father, but maybe if they look at the salt and pepper shaker, they'll know that the holiness and the love of God cannot be separated. Thank you, Father, that you're holy and that you won't compromise anything, but that you're loving and you'll forgive us where we have fallen short if we would just confess that to you. Father, I pray that we would be a church and a community that rests in the truth of your holiness and your love. And Father, if any of them in this room do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray the holiness of of, of God would draw them and the love of God would bring them to full surrender. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.